in the Willamette Valley, in America's great Pacific Northwest. You are listening to The Ernest Mann Show, and I'm your host, Ernest Mann. Wherever you may be listening, night or day, in this world. And I thank you so much for tuning in, or for tuning in again. This is episode number 126, Psychology. How do you feel understanding the need for barriers to keep yourself intact? How do you feel? In general, how do you feel? How are you doing? And that is something that, believe it or not, for some people, they actually have a difficult time answering that question because they're so fragmented. They just don't really know. They're not that connected. So it can seem like such a common and ordinary question to ask when you say that, you know, how do you feel? And people say, I'm, yeah, I'm okay. You know, but I'm talking about it in a much deeper sense, in a very, you know, introspective sense. Now, this may or may not come as a surprise to you, but it's not only a very important question, because no matter what I say, no matter what anyone else says, anyone, friends, family, lover, whoever, shrink, you know, therapist, whatever the hell you want to call them, you see, the one person at the end of the day that you have to be cool with is you. And if you're not cool with you, if you're not stable, upfront, honest with you, well, there's problems. Now, here's the thing about that. As many of you know, I am not religious. However, that does not mean that there are not certain things that can be, you know, learned or can't be learned from religion. Um, I don't consider, for instance, Buddhism as a religion. I consider it to be a philosophy. There are some, perhaps, that may wish to argue um, what I am considering to be a matter of semantics, but hey, fine. But for instance, one of the tenets of the various forms of Buddhism is a calming, calming and quietness of the mind. 
And so, to the best of my knowledge, it's for this reason. Um, if you notice, um, people who are Buddhist uh, don't tend to do drugs. Um, drugs. And of course, yes, that includes alcohol. Um, they screw up your brain processes. And if you've ever wondered sometimes if you've, you know, ever came home from work or a week, a really bad week of work, but sometimes you can just feel so overwhelmed by work and in general, just dealing with the world that you feel like you're on a some kind of merry-go-round, but it's going much faster than you'd like. And you just want to get off, but you can't. And uh, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't like that. Because if you think about it, you can't see objectively really just how fast in relation to everything else that this thing is going around until you're able to get off of it. And then you can stand on the sideline looking at this thing and you'd be like, yeah, wow, that's really crazy. Why the hell was I doing that? And so that is a difference in what I'm talking about as far as a, a situation where you have clarity of thought. When a person has a better clarity of thought, um, they can look at things within their own life relative to the world that's going on around them. And they can more clearly decide on how and why and the way they wish to interact based on their desires in life and where they are and what they want to achieve. Assuming they want to achieve anything at all. But it all starts, it all begins with seeing something clearly. Objectively, if you will. And if you ever wondered like I have, I don't know how many times in my life that, you know, things, can you just look around in general, or maybe you're with a, a friend or two or three and you just, you know, the general consensus is that, wow, shit is really crazy here. And I think many people might agree with me. They are looking at what's going on in, our current 
societies and there's just so much that just seems so crazy <laughs> and we look at each other and there's a certain point of <laughs> with friends or family and and it's like you know i want to get off this ride <laughs> i don't like this ride anymore and um sadly very sadly some people choose to get off the ride of life permanently. Some of them take their own lives. And what is more often than not the case is that I would say my point of view, what I have seen is the slow death of a slow suicide by using those things that have practically become normalized just to get by, just to make it, just to function. And some of these drugs or chemicals are just absolutely horrific. I mean, there are many. Oxycontin and fentanyl are just two of the very big players. And what used to be years before that, the big players, of course, um, for people trying to survive and trying to mentally cope in this crazy existence that we are, well, more or less forced to live with was heroin. And for the most part, I'm sure it's still quite popular, but when these other drugs very easily accessible and cheap drugs, especially since they were um, distributed, let's say, um, by uh, medical doctors. And um, I don't want to use the time in this episode to talk about the history or go into the evils of that. I feel that that's pretty much been explained ad nauseum. So I'm not going to talk about it in that sense. I'm trying to approach this from the bigger picture. And what I'm trying to say is this. A lot of the people who make their living trying to make supposedly you a winner are in many cases people themselves who are winners. And in many cases, they have had many of the advantages in life that let's say you and I have not. And 
therefore they are not using or perhaps have not used any of the drugs that I had mentioned because they simply are not in that place and they have never been in that place. Um, you know, they're, they're, in, they're coming from this. They are in an entirely different place. But for most of us, we use these things um, to stop the unpleasantness and the pain. And I'm sure that that's, that part of it is not big news to anyone who, you know, who has been or is currently there in that place. I'm not saying anything new. <clears throat> but what I am trying to say to especially to those who are perhaps younger or new to this um, party culture, drug culture, this whole thing is the the biggest problem is that it upsets your ability to be um, not only intuitive, but to be introspective. Because if you are not able to be intuitive or introspective, you're already at a huge disadvantage in trying to deal with this very difficult and often cruel and unfair world that we live in. So by saying this, if I were to use an analogy, I would say that if you were a warrior and you are a very good warrior, well-trained, and you're lucky in that respect, and let's say you have a really good weapon, and you've got to go through this enemy area called life. And there are, even though you have this great weapon and you have these abilities, there are many enemies that you're going to have to confront and defeat. Or if you don't, you're going to die. And... When you're doing this and you go on this journey, it requires a lot of thought. Perhaps you'll see the enemy in the distance, or you may see a, a, a small group of the enemy in the distance. And there's, let's say, um, you want to and you need to um, come up with the best um, strategy to to win and sometimes of course uh sometimes the best option is to sneak around them 
to not even engage them in the first place. As a matter of fact, that is probably the safest move you can do. And so there are all these enemies and, and pitfalls out there. But what the most important thing about this is that in order to hopefully, and there are no guarantees, there are no guarantees that you, you will be successful. But if we're talking percentages and if we're talking odds, and in my opinion, that's what, whether we want to admit it or not, that's what life ultimately is about. Everything is a chance. Everything, everything you do is a chance and a percentage. Now, you can do things to increase your chances of success or decrease them. Now, to go back to this, say, this warrior who's going through this, this forest of life with all of these, and he knows that there are all these enemies that they're going to have to uh, confront. The number one thing that you want to have is a clear mind and your faculties, your mind and body functioning as best as possible. Because if you don't have that, you're, you're potentially really screwed. And ironically, what we've had and what's been going on all these years, all this time, people have been saying, you know, it's like a John Goodman moment in from the Big Lebowski, you know, where he screams in the bowling alley. Has the, has the whole world gone crazy? Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> but it's your ability to cope with that. And they, the powers that be, have done the same thing in modern times as was done to uh, the Native American Indian people um, when we were hell-bent on uh, conquering them and heading west uh, was alcohol. And alcohol as a drug is very insidious. And I'll tell you why. Do this simple test for yourself um, without any, any minor consumption. Even that can change it. Try going two weeks with no alcohol. Try going just two weeks, none. No wine, no beer, nothing. Nothing with alcohol. And you'll find that your mind, especially after the first week, really begins to become clear. And you start having um, intuitive insights, let's say. You're looking at things and you're actually 
paying attention. And of course, this depends on many factors. It depends on your age. It depends on your, to a certain extent, it depends on your sex, it depends on your age, it depends on how much you are currently or have been drinking. Because the longer you have been drinking, especially if you've been drinking heavily, it can take a bit longer to improve. But in most cases, you will improve. And you will see and feel things very differently and in a way that you were not feeling or processing before. You see, because here's the deal. You are by no means listening. I want to make this very clear. You are by no means talking to a teetotaler. As a matter of fact, if you would have asked me, say, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, that I would be saying these words to you that I'm saying now, I, I would have just, I would have laughed until I fell off my bar stool. I was like, get the hell out of here. Who is this guy? What is wrong with you? What do you, you know, is this guy, am I going all carry nation on you and shit? You know? And, uh, that's not the case now because actually doing the studying and the studying on this is very clear. Um, yes, I have, let's just say, to put it mildly, done my share of drinking and partying. But here's the thing. Um, it's like, it's very easy going in and you reach very quickly, you reach a peak where you're at and you've, you've peaked as far as the fun part and then not knowing, and that only takes most folks two drinks. And if you're a, you know, if you're a big time drinker or a heavyweight drinker, you might scoff at this or laugh at this, but I'm talking about the science of it. Whether you may be aware of it or not, that is the case. Objectively, for instance, um, <clears throat> if you can, at least you could take, I believe anyone, a seasoned drinker or even a non-seasoned drinker, but uh, sit down with a, a pen and pad and write a simple, you know, sentence or, or two. Um, the simplest thing, see Johnny walk the dog and jump over the fence and whatnot. And, you know, have someone read it out to you, whatnot. And then just have a couple of drinks and wait 20 minutes or a half hour later. And then write the exact same sentence. And you will see a marked difference in the handwriting. That is a physiological sign. But wait, it's worse. <laughs> it's 
And it's worse because the problem, especially with getting to the point where, you know, you've had, I don't know, six, seven, eight, ten, ten shots of alcohol or, you know, 20 beers or some, some just huge amount. Um, and with some people, depending on, of course, their tolerance, it doesn't, it doesn't take that much. Some people are real lightweights. But the point is, is that in either case, proportionally to that person, um, but it is also proportional to the amount of alcohol, is that, yeah, you, you've heard about and felt or experienced a hangover. And, but that's the thing is, you're actually impaired, even though the, the alcohol may primarily have been removed from your system. There's a whole bunch of other chemical things that have been thrown out of whack from that. So, for example, um, you're basically, if you've had a binge drinking session, over a weekend and then you're completely stopped on Monday because you have to work and you have no more alcohol, you are still not completely there. You are not completely aware and functional and intuitive, depending on the person for perhaps four or five days. That's how long it takes just to get your mind back online, so to speak. And again, this depends on many factors with the individual. But my point is, before all of the currently readily available, whether it's medically or on the streets, the really horrible things such as Oxycontin, fentanyl. We've had this drug of choice. It's legal and sold everywhere. No problem. And I would argue that it actually, long-term in your life, um, is potentially even far worse than, say, heroin. And um, we, uh, the leaders in this country, uh, may not have had all the science that we currently have on that, but they certainly knew, particularly with uh, Native people, because of their uh, their biology and how alcohol really um, dramatically and in a very bad way affects them mentally and physically. But, you know, 150 years ago or what have you, I mean, they just empirical evidence, they just look at this, they figured it out. And in very subtle marketing ways it has been done and is being done and continues to be done to 
American society. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, we have, <laughs> you're, you're basically having um, a huge percentage of the population. And if everyone is criticizing, you're saying, what the hell's going on? Is everyone's crazy? Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and they say, what the hell's going on? Is there something in the water? I'd say, yeah, it's alcohol. <laughs> and it's that simple. So um, it's being aware of this. But here's the thing. You, it's, it's like a trap. It's like something that you can't, you can't see when you're in it. You have to be out of it. And hopefully, that's before any significant harm has been done to yourself or to others. Um, that is, it is a good time to step back and give it a try as far as no booze. None of it. And um, I, that's, you know, that's all I can say because the, it's the, the dummying down. It makes you dumb. It does. It shuts down your circuits. And so, in other words, we all know the immediate effects of alcohol and how it, um, makes you uh, less inhibited and you know all the all the things that happen as a consequence of that it can be you know qu there's quite some stories that could be told about that <laughs> but um yeah what's not a laughing matter though is that there's this mistaken impression that uh you know, other than the hangover that, you know, you just, okay, well, now I'm not drunk and I'm right as rain. And I'm telling you that the science says otherwise. And depending on the amount of alcohol you drank, you're not, you're still not you. And for, you know, depending four or five days after a, a particularly after a binge drinking session. Now. When you consider that most folks who imbibe, and it's quite a few, for every event, everything from dinner to a sporting event to you, you name it, um, people are not clear-headed because to a greater or lesser extent, they are either intoxicated or their brains are simply a bit offline and not using good judgment. And I mean for anything, because it's not clear. You're not thinking clearly. If you've ever had to deal with someone trying to reason with a drunk, well, good luck with that, because it... It ain't going to happen. Well, 
just because they've so-called sobered up, same problem because they're not sober. And the thing is for yourself, what I'm saying is, is if you're walking around and you're dealing with all the things that you have to deal with, everything from, you know, job, career, interpersonal, there's a million things that we have to deal with. And, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff is, of course, very important. And it's not a good idea to be walking through this wilderness of life and you are not really fully functional. Well, what did you think about that? I'd really like to hear what you have to say. So go on over to my website, theearnestmanshow.com, and put down your two cents worth. And while you're there, please feel free to listen to any and all the episodes you like. Plus, check out the other interesting things on my website. Until next time, this is Ernest saying take care. I'm out of here.